0: From the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast, this is Ag Day.
1: Battling Mother Nature.
0: The rain really couldn't have come at a worse time for producers.
1: It's something farmers did all year in Louisiana, but there's a bright spot amid the weather extremes. A government shutdown is prevented and more aid to producers is on the way. They put more than a few dollars in this for farm bill related uh, topics. See what's in the massive government spending bill for ag as portions of the country continue to work to recover from a crippling winter storm.
2: And so we had rescuers rescuing the rescuers. We're
1: tracking a new weather threat right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. That monster winter storm that moved across the country isn't done yet. The deadly storm leaving some communities in crisis and causing a travel nightmare across the country. The death toll from the blizzard that hit the Buffalo area has risen to 34 in western New York. The dead found in cars, homes and snowbanks. some dying while shoveling snow. The Buffalo area seeing more than four feet of snow. The region The latest struggling to dig out from this weather related disaster officials in the city say state and military police are being sent to keep people from driving on the roads
2: we we don't know all of the stories but there's a combination of where they're being found we have snow banks and some of our first responders are are not hopeful about what we're going to find once those snow banks are cleared having walked uh, trying to escape the abandoned cars um, we had we had a driving van in the city of buffalo Um, People were trying to get home and they were stuck. And so many people tried to ride out the storm in their car, but also some people tried to walk and leave their cars. Um, So we're seeing a combination of people in cars and outside of cars. We had uh, rescue uh, vehicles that were trying to get to emergency situations that were calling saying, we're stuck. Um, And so we had rescuers rescuing the rescuers um and when the state came in we were saying that that was a priority that we needed to help the rescuers first so that they can go and help the public
1: and another possible concern crews are keeping an eye on warmer weather forecast for later this week that could bring a threat of flooding as that snow melts now we reached out to the communications director for the new york farm bureau he reports the main issue for dairy producers in that area has been closed roads in the western and northern part of the state due to the storm. He says because of that, some dairies were forced to dump milk because haulers couldn't get to their farms or to the milk plant. He reports the good news is that roads are starting to reopen. And this storm isn't over yet with more snow on the way for northern New York. And now, add on those concerns about flooding. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire is tracking the very latest.
3: And yeah, this snow behind me has been inundating parts of northern New York, uh, Buffalo speaking here. And we're going to continue to be dealing with a few of those snow showers this morning. And then eventually that is going to begin to taper on off here as we go throughout the afternoon, finally giving northern New York a break uh, from the snow here. And that would be the case here as we round out this weekend as we get more milder air moving on into the north and east. Let's take a look at some snowfall that's going to be picking up across the inner mountain west, though. Notice those purples showing up, but we could be measuring snowfall in feet across some of those mountaintops, especially the Sierra Nevadas, is seeing likely anywhere from 1 to 3 feet of accumulating snow here over the course of the next 48 to 72 hours. We're also watching the West Coast, uh, which will have some flooding concerns as an area of low pressure system continues to swirl off along the uh, coast, there, coast there, of Alaska, and that's going to bring with it the chance of scattered showers and even pockets of heavy rain to the western coast. And this is why if we take a closer look at the jet stream, notice kind of how it goes a west to east, a pattern that's going to allow that, that kind of atmospheric river uh, to kind of bring with it several chances of moisture up there uh, to parts of the West Coast. AND NO MATTER THE WEATHER, NOTHING STOPS THE CATTLE OPERATION. KHS EMPLOYABILITY SHARING THIS PHOTO TAKEN DURING THE BLIZZARD OF 2022 SAYING CATTLE ARE TOUGH ANIMALS AND THEY REALLY NEED TO BE IN THESE CONDITIONS. I'll Ag day forecast in just a few.
1: And just a heartbreaking story we heard about over the holiday weekend, a central Illinois dairy farm family suffering an enormous loss after their dairy barn went up in flames three days before Christmas. It happened at the Muller family farm in Strawn. It's reported the fire started quickly and spread in the high winds. Twenty emergency vehicles, many from neighboring fire departments, tried to fight the blaze in the middle of last week's brutal winter storm. But the Mullers say the milking parlor and the cattle sheds are a complete loss. The equipment that runs the dairy was destroyed and the majority of their 140-cow herd was lost in the fire. No people were injured in that fire. That last report, a GoFundMe set up to help the family has raised close to $100,000, almost double its $50,000 goal. A government shutdown has been avoided after the House passed a massive $1.7 trillion spending bill just ahead of the deadline for government funding that was set to expire. AgDays' Michelle Rook joins us with an update on the key ag funding that's included in that measure.
4: Clinton, this spending measure contains disaster assistance, money for farm programs, and even additional dollars for river infrastructure repairs as well as ag research. So overall, it was a positive spending measure for farmers and ranchers and will help pave the way for an even more important Farm Safety Net program. Highlights of the bipartisan spending bill include $3.7 billion in farm disaster aid to cover eligible 2022 crop and livestock losses. It authorizes $100 million for USDA to make pandemic aid payments to cotton merchandisers and a one-time payment for each U.S. rice producer for the 2022 crop year based on yield history and acreage. Farm Journal Washington correspondent Jim Wiesmeyer explained on Agritalk it also provided significant food stamp funding
0: they got a major inclusion to make permanent this what we call the summer ebt food stamp program it just allows uh, $40 a month you know per child and they gave some flexibility for the rural countryside. He says the spending measure
4: also laid the groundwork for USDA's climate smart ag programs, allowing them to oversee the registration of farm technical advisors and carbon credit verification
0: services. Standardization in any program chip is key. Uh, we'll eventually see it in the battery in, in EVs. Once you get a standardization, you can move on from that. And and so and, and it's just an issue that they don't have to resolve in the Farm Bill. Additionally, the SUSTAINS
4: Act allows corporations and other private entities to contribute funding for conservation projects. And it authorizes USDA to match those projects, I think up to 75%. Plus, there's another $1.92 billion for farm programs. And all this, according to Wiesmeyer, will pave the way for Congress to get a farm bill done in 2023.
0: They put more than a few dollars in this for farm bill related uh, topics, especially food stamps and some of the climate change funding. So I think that that lessened the hurdle, uh, reduced the hurdles uh, to, to, to actually get a farm bill done.
4: This is after many Washington insiders have predicted a delay in the new farm bill. Other good news for agriculture, there's $1.5 billion for Army Corps emergency funding for repairs and navigation improvements after extreme weather events on the Mississippi River. And an additional $175 million for ag research, bringing the total to nearly $3.5 billion in 2023.
1: All right, thanks, Michelle. USDA says Ag's share of total U.S. exports has climbed to a new high when it comes to value. The Economic Research Service saying the total value of U.S. exports has grown at an average annual rate of 6 percent since 2002, reaching a record high of $1.4 trillion last year. At the same time, agriculture share of those exports, seen here in yellow, has also steadily increased. Between 2002 and 2021, the value of U.S. ag exports rose by an average of 11% each year, last year accounting for 12% of the total value. Now, the researchers say even as U.S. total exports fell by 12% at the onset of COVID-19, ag exports remained steady on a surge of shipments of soybeans, corn, and pork to China. Now, this year, thanks to increases in Corn, cotton, and soybean shipments and exports are forecast to hit a record $196 billion and they're projected to remain strong next year. An update on a case we've been following. A trial has been delayed for the former leader of a Mississippi grain storage and processing company. He's accused of committing fraud. Now, the charges are against 46-year-old John R. Coleman of Greenwood, Mississippi. The trial was delayed because Coleman's attorney said he needed more time to prepare. Coleman was charged more than a year after his company Express Grain Terminals filed for bankruptcy. A federal grand jury indicted Coleman on charges of defrauding farmers, banks, and the Mississippi Department of Agriculture of tens of millions of dollars. Now, he faces five state charges, including making false representations to defraud the government and one count of false pretenses, and he faces six counts of wire fraud in a federal indictment. Now Coleman has entered a plea of not guilty. If convicted, he faces a maximum of 180 years in prison. The trial is now scheduled to take place in May. Well, corn and soybeans pushing higher on Tuesday. Could we see an end-of-the-year rally? Michelle Rook joins us, coming up in analysis. And later, too dry and too wet. Both conditions plagued Louisiana growers this past year. What that did to yields and key crops. And the one bright spot in the country.
5: Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an End Zone Moisture Management Package.
1: Corn futures reaching a six-week high on Tuesday, extending last week's gains thanks to support in the crude oil market. Michelle Rook is back with more in the markets now.
4: Grains ended mostly higher on Tuesday. Uh, joining us to visit about that, Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Gap higher openings in a lot of the grains on Tuesday morning, Matt, but soybeans got above $15. We couldn't stay above that level. Why?
6: I think it's a variety of things. Coming in, the calls, of course, were higher. You come off a three-day weekend. Uh, Weather didn't really change in Argentina. You've got some issues there for sure, but it's pretty interesting to see how much focus we've had on Argentina whenever, you know, to the north, you've got Brazil looking at uh, quite the crop. And so uh, right now, uh, you know, uh, one of the uh, noted analysts said uh, Argentina crop ought to be down around a couple million metric ton. But if Brazil has a 155, I don't know that it's going to matter as far as soybean supply goes. I see it more of a soybean meal story, which we saw meal make new contract highs and close uh, sharply off there. So that's concerning to me, the way that the bean market's uh, close concerning to me. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how we trade the rest of the week.
4: Yeah. What do you think in there? I mean, obviously we got some farmers selling above $15 on the beans, but a key reversal in soybean meal. Does that end this rally that we've had going?
6: You know, uh, many times you would think so, but uh, we've seen several re- reversals in the last year that actually turn around and the next day you you go, uh, you reverse the reverse. So it'll be very interesting there. But, you know, it's hard for a farmer to look at 15, 15, 50 beans, depending on what their basis is, and, and say that they think that the, they want to be bullish there. I mean, I'm not saying we can't go higher. Of course, we can always go higher, but still uh, not very many folks have sold beans at that price level. So it's pretty hard to throw cold water on it.
4: So corn got above some key moving averages, closed up in the upper end of the trading range. Why was corn able to maintain its strength?
6: Yeah, that's a great question. I've got to think there was some spread activity going on. You know, It's been fashionable over the last several weeks, really, to be long beans and short corn and wheat. And I think a lot of that's unwound over the last couple of weeks, and I think more of it uh, unwound a little bit here today. You know, whenever you look at corn, I mean, uh, the story, I guess, really isn't all that compelling. I mean, demand right. certainly has been hurt to a point. But, you know, I've got to think it was uh, more spread activity than anything.
4: All right. Appreciate your analysis. Thanks for joining us. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. We have more update coming
5: up. To contact Matt Bennett at AgMarket, call 844-4AG-MARKET or visit their website at www.agmarket.net.
1: Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joining us here. Andrew, going from a really severe blizzard to now potential for flooding out on the west coast. Tell us about it. Yeah,
3: we're going to have to watch uh, the west coast here for uh, several inches of moisture that could likely be uh, setting up. And we're also going to have to watch inner mountain snow as well. And that's going to increase the moisture out west. And meanwhile, kind of the east coast, uh, we're going to become a little bit more quieter here as we head on into this week. Let's take a look at that precipitation here as we head on into uh, this week here, at least midweek, that is Wednesday through Thursday, a scattered rainfall here across the Intermountain West. And again, we're going to be watching some areas across the Pacific Northwest from Washington down towards uh, California, uh, where some areas uh, right along the coastline could be picking up on your from three three to six inches of uh, water here as we go throughout the course of the next uh, 48 to to 72 hours. Uh, Meanwhile, we're also going to be watching kind of the Dixie Alley as uh, well. Parts of uh, Louisiana as well as uh, parts of Arkansas as well. We're going to have to watch out for the potential here for some flooding concerns uh, with this uh, next system as uh, we're going to be watching a warm front moving on through all thanks to a quick moving uh, low pressure system and that's going to bring with it the potential here for some heavy rain even the potential for some severe weather as well. Watch how it plays out here on the future radar. Here we are Wednesday morning at uh, 7 a.m. Notice on the heartland of the country still rather quiet. We've got that Intermountain West snow and that will be active out across the four corner states as well. And then as we go on into uh, Wednesday evening, we're going to be watching the west coast here for waves of uh, heavy pockets of rain, even the heavy pockets of snow as well for the Sierra Nevadas. And meanwhile, we're going to be watching that warm front down across the Dixie alleyway for the potential here for uh, scattered severe thunderstorms as we had on into Thursday evening going forward on to thursday night and with that low pressure system down across the deep south and that will begin to slide on up across parts of the great lakes area. Once again, not a big wind producer, but we are going to be looking at gust at times anywhere from 25 to upwards of 35 miles per hour here as we go throughout wednesday, thursday and even on into early Friday morning. Walking through the jet stream briefly here, we're going to be watching kind of a zonal pattern developing up north. So that's going to allow some west to east movement of some activity to our north. Meanwhile, keeping things kind of quiet here across the uh, southern half here of the country. So look across country. Let's take a look at temperatures now for this afternoon. Cooler up north and milder down towards the south. Check out Dallas 68 degrees. That's a look around the country. Let's take a look closer to home. Watertown, New York, some morning snow, high 36 degrees. Going on over to Pleasantville, Iowa, sunny and breezy, high 40 degrees. And going over to Woodland, Washington, pockets of heavy rain, high near 40 degrees.
1: Fighting weeds in between dates on the calendar. A look at the latest state to change its cutoff date for dicamba next in this week's Weed Warriors.
5: Weed Warriors on Ag Day is brought to you by Fierce, a pre-emergence herbicide with three formulations. Learn more at valent.com slash fierce. Always read and follow label instructions.
1: In today's Weed Warriors, many states have adjusted the cutoff date for spring dicamba herbicide on soybeans to decrease off-target spray drift issues. Michelle Rook reports the South Dakota Department of Agriculture has become the latest.
4: The department's moving up the last day farmers can apply dicamba on soybeans by 10 days to prevent spray drift issues.
6: They're going to move the dicamba date, uh, the final date, from June 30th to June 20th for this next year.
4: He says this will force farmers to look at other options to control late season weeds, which will be a challenge in western areas that have kochia. They're going to have to look
6: at using something, maybe using dicamba early and then followed by Liberty or some other mixture.
4: And farmers want to be able to use this tool to control especially resistant weeds. It's something we don't want to have go away,
1: so we want to protect the dicamba thing.
4: Struck says that's because without the use of this technology, they will likely face lower soybean yields and profits.
1: I'm Michelle Rook reporting. Coming up, hurricanes weren't the story this year for Louisiana, but other weather woes did cut into yields. We have an update from down south, next. The weather was not kind to Louisiana agriculture this year, as LSU Ag Center correspondent Craig Gotro reports, nearly every crop saw lower yields and quality reductions because of both dry and wet conditions. It was
7: hot and dry, then came a flood. Then it got hot and dry again. Changing weather cycles put a major crimp into Louisiana agriculture in 2022. Nearly every major crop had lower yields than last year, and some saw major reductions.
0: Weather significantly impacted returns for farmers this year due to not only yield reduction, but also quality issues as well. However, for sugarcane production in Louisiana, that seems to be our outlier. While drought
7: conditions hurt crop yields, the month of August saw nearly three months' worth of rain and caused soybean and cotton crops to suffer losses.
0: The rain really couldn't have come at a worse time for producers. Uh, It came right when the soybean crop was hitting its peak maturity stages, Uh, so producers not only were penalized with yield reductions, but also saw a big quality reduction. Both soybean and cotton yields were off
7: nearly 10 percent from last year. Weather in other parts of the country caused the Mississippi River to run low and limit agricultural exports through the state. 60%
0: 60% of the grain that is exported from the U.S. comes through Louisiana, so that, that river is critical not only for our crops, but also every producer in the U.S. that's growing grains uh, and oil seeds.
7: The lone bright spot in Louisiana agriculture is sugarcane. Production was on pace to set a record, but the cold of Christmas week may change the outlook.
0: Louisiana, according to the latest USDA report, is actually forecasting to produce more sugar than Florida for the first time.
7: Not only did the loss of yield affect farmers, but high input costs for fuel and fertilizer reduced operating margins. With the LSU Ag Center, this is Craig Ocho reporting.
1: All right, thanks, Craig. Louisiana saw one of the biggest increases in cotton acreage last year, but most experts believe there will be a much smaller crop in 2023, with prices being down close to 20%. That's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.